0: Again, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the sermon well good morning it's good to see all of you let me say welcome to all of you joining us online as well as we are continuing in our series through the book of Hebrews if you are new with us if this is your first time first of all we are honored and excited you are joining us for worship and to study god's word together and And I pray that we serve and lead well today for that. We have been in this series for quite a while. We are in week 22. We are in. Hebrews chapter 10. So if you have a Bible and you want to uh, join me in Hebrews chapter 10, we're looking at the next section of text as we opened chapter 10 last week. We, uh, we turned the corner in the book of Hebrews as we entered into chapter 10, the great summation uh, verses 1 through 18 of kind of what the author was uh, trying to show, trying to teach, trying to explain to us in the first nine chapters. And that one thing is simply this, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. Who he is, what he has done, what he is doing now as he is seated at the right hand of the Father is greater, it's superior than all of the Old Testament, sacrifices, the shadow, the symbols, all that. He's greater than all that have lived. He's greater than anything out there. He's greater, simply greater. And so the author spent nine chapters really comparing and contrasting the greatness of Jesus to the former ways. And now we come to a place where we're going, we're going to go from seeing and knowing his superiority, his finished work, to the application part, the transformation it should bring into our lives now that we have that foundation where he has kind of laid this foundation of which our transformed life is to walk on. You could say today we shift from doctrine to duty. We move from creed to conduct, from precept to practice, from instruction to exhortation, all of which mean one thing that the author of Hebrews becomes very clear from this point forward to the end of the book, becomes very clear about the change, the truths that we have learned, the truths that we have studied should bring into our lives every day, into our everyday life. And the text we study today will really influence the rest of our study as it, as it will kind of be expounded upon through the end of the book of Hebrews. And so you could say today kind of sets a focus for what is to come. And our breakdown, really, of the text is he's going to once again kind of recap. Here's, here's the work of Christ. Don't, we don't get past that. We don't move past that. We don't, we don't drift away from it. It's our anchor. Here's the work of Christ. And from this, he's going to give us three action steps, three exhortations or encouragements. So we're going to start with the reminder of Jesus' finished work for all, his once for all work. Hebrews 10. Verses 19 to 21 to start with. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, verse 20, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, verse 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. Let's pause. We begin with a very important word in verse 19, the word therefore. Anytime we see the word therefore in Scripture, Anytime you see it, it's to signal to us that in light of all that was just said, and really it wasn't just verses 1 through 18, but, but chapters 1 through 9, it's so important to pay attention to what I say next. Everything that you heard and that we've read prior to this point is going to be leading up to what I'm going to give to you next. It's very important to pay attention to what comes next. So. So what he gives to us is our relationship to God. As we look in verse 19, he talks about our relationship with God and our access through in that relationship to the Father, to the Creator, is based upon the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And he has been saying this repeatedly. Everything is wrapped up in Jesus, who he is, again, what he has done, what he came to do, what he has accomplished, and what he has finished on our behalf. Not on our work, not on our effort not on our, on our intelligence, not on any of those things, but only in what Jesus has done. And so our confidence then, the confidence that we have to access the Father, to come into the presence of the Father is by Jesus, by His blood. And we don't skip past that. So we, do, we do well to not, again, not to drift away, not to move past that too quick. This is nothing in a of ourselves. If we thought our access to the Father was in ourselves, it wouldn't last long. It wouldn't work well because it's flawed. Jesus' finished work was perfect. And when you think about what we've learned in the compare and contrast through the book of Hebrews, and if you looked at any time in the Old Testament, think of this with me. If you were an Old Testament saint, and, and here's a quick reminder, the letter of Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians who had been following the, the Levitical law that was given to the nation of Israel, given to God's people, right? But if you were an Old Testament saint, it was your duty to offer sacrifices. That's what they did. We've talked about that over and over. It's what, that's what happened with, with the Day of Atonement. Each, each year, they would come to this place where a sacrifice was offered for their sins, and they did that repeatedly, over and over and over. So it was the duty... Of an Old Testament saint to offer sacrifices, but if you are a new covenant believer, it is our duty not to offer sacrifices. Not to do that. Rather, our duty is to simply depend on the sacrifice that God has offered for us, his son, our Savior. That is a a paradigm shift. That is a radical shift from what was understood, what they knew, to what it is today. But it's true that you and I at times today, we still try to offer a sacrifice. Instead of trusting in the finished work of Jesus. And that's why he says, listen, the confidence to enter into the holy place is by the blood of Jesus, not a goat or an animal or a bull or anything else. It's by Jesus. Not anything that you and I could sacrifice. It's by Jesus. We have confidence to enter the holy place. We have confidence to come in and fellowship with God where he is. To experience his special presence. How? By the blood of Jesus. By his atoning work. By his life, death, resurrection. And he's saying, the author is saying, listen, by his blood, by his death, his sacrifice, should bring confidence that you can go in and be with God. You can meet with God. You can know God face to face, which again was a radical shift for them. They only could experience the presence of God through through the high priest. And he's saying, Jesus is a greater high priest. Not because you and I have cleaned ourselves up. Not because you and I have have figured out all the things of the scripture or can answer all the questions or got our lives on a good path and we're walking straight and narrow not because of any of that not because we could have a sacrifice that would be worthy enough for God to accept that, that it was only Jesus not because a a pastor or a high priest was was able to gain access and through them, only Jesus, let that sink in because it's important for what's coming and it is a repetition for what he's been saying to us for nine chapters for 21 weeks of studying and then in verse 20 he goes by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through the flesh you have to love the author for pointing out that our confident access to the father Your and my ability to be in the presence of the Father, to access the Father is by a new and living way. Not the old way. The old way with the high priest had to enter the Holy of Holies. Not through the sacrifice of an animal that stayed dead. But the new way, which was a living way. Which we know that Jesus in the resurrection, in the ascension, in the enthronement, sitting at the Father's right hand, that Revelation 1, 17 and 18, Jesus proclaims to us, I am alive forevermore. Although he was crucified, he was ripped, if you will, like the curtain when it was rent from top to bottom in that separated the Holy of Holies in the temple at the crucifixion, all of that, he opened the way and rose again forevermore. This is the confident access that we have through Jesus Christ, not any sacrifice that you and I could bring or give. And the author of Hebrews is saying, listen, listen, Jesus is the one sacrifice that is offered to cover all of our sins. So Christian, disciple, believer, follower of Jesus, take that in. Believe it, and when you do, it will transform your life. Not just in the future, but right now. It is our job not to offer sacrifices, because God has already offered one for us in Jesus, which is perfect and full. And we are to believe on Jesus that he has been offered for us. It's vital to trust in. You know why it's vital? At least for me, it's vital to trust in that. Because even when I sin, even when I fall short, even when I make a wrong decision, even when I do what I, what I know I shouldn't do, as Paul says, why do I keep doing what I, sh- what I know I shouldn't do? And why don't I do the things that I know I should do? Even when that happens, when that happens, even though I know this, Sometimes I forget or sometimes I drift, and I try to get back into God's good graces by doing something on my own instead of just relying on the finished work of Christ. I try to make up for it. And that you could say, that's my sacrifice. I try to sacrifice something, whatever that may be. I try to change or do something different or add goodness back, thinking that that's what is enough. And the author of Hebrews is saying, listen, believer, you don't understand. You don't understand. You don't have to do that. God has offered. All the sacrifice that will ever be necessary for you to enjoy communion with Him. And He's offered it in His Son. And therefore, you do not need to offer another sacrifice. When you fall short, you do not need to offer another sacrifice. You need to simply confess and come back to Christ. It's done. That is assurance. That is the assurance of our faith that in Jesus, the immovable rock, that's not in me and that's good news. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever wondered if it's true that God accepts all of us? Have you ever ever had that moment where you're wondering, is it true that God accepts all of us, including me? You ever felt that fear that God may reject you based on something that's happened or you've done in your life? God's going to condemn you. And if that's true for you, if that is what, maybe that's why you're here because you're trying to seek and search out. Let me, let me hear, hear the Spirit say this to you. God is more willing to forgive you of your sin than you are to repent of it. Hear that. God is more willing to forgive you of your sin than you are willing to repent of it. Let that sink in. You must have faith in Him, in the gospel of His Son, and repent of your sins. And God is able to forgive everything, but He's more ready to forgive you than you and I are willing to let go of the sin. And that's the sin that we're afraid that's going to condemn us. God is more willing to forgive us than we are willing to repent of it. And He's simply saying, come home. That's what the author is pointing out. God's reaching out an arm saying, come home, come home. You don't have to offer any more sacrifice. Maybe that's you today. You have something that you fear that God will reject you because of. And the author says to us, you don't need to fear if you'll turn to Jesus, because even that sin that you fear rejection... You turn to Jesus. Jesus has provided all the forgiveness you will ever need in his atoning sacrifice past, present, future, all. That's why it's such a supreme and glorious sacrifice. That's why Jesus is the only one worthy for us to pour ourselves out. Nothing needs to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 you were to go to Romans 8 and reread Romans 8 and what Paul says about God's love for us he says nothing is to separate us nothing believe on Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and the author of Hebrews is saying understanding this completely changes our lives and in particular he gives us three encouragements exhortations action steps that flow out of this let's look at the first one the first one is draw near draw near verse 22 He says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There's power in this encouragement, this exhortation, as we come out of what we just saw in verses 19 to 21. He's saying saying to us, because of the confidence that you and I have, and the confidence is not based on you and I having a good day or a bad day. It's not based on us offering a sacrifice that we don't know if God will accept it or not accept it. It's not based on any of that. It's based on Jesus who had finished the work, and that brings a confidence. And because of that confidence, now we have access to the Father through the advocacy of the great priest, which he said to us in verse 21. And through that now, let's draw near. Let's draw near to Him. Let's come close to Him. And the Father is inviting us to come near. I was reading this week a commentary, a pastor about this verse, and he used this illustration. He says, in our society, there are all sorts of barriers to prevent or hinder access to certain people. He says, you can't can't draw near to Hollywood actors or professional athletes They're typically, they have bodyguards and they're gonna keep you kinda at your distance. And if you try to get too close, you're usually forcefully removed. He said you can't draw near to, like, the president or people in Congress or the Supreme Court. He said, and there are numerous places, not just people, that there are numerous places and events that prohibit, you know, us from entering. You, you can't draw near to the Super Bowl unless you have a really expensive ticket. You can't get close to the Mona Lisa, the painting of Mona Lisa in the Louvre in Paris. He, he says, you know, you can't get on stage at the Academy Awards in Hollywood. Countless people and places and events are off limits to most people. Not so with God. Think about it. All of those people and places and events that, that many work, work so hard to get close to, to come close to, to be, to be in the presence of or the proximity of, all of those things combined that limit access is nothing in comparison to God. He infinitely transcends in value, glory, honor, and power everything that's on this earth. And the Bible tells us that he has made the greatest imaginable sacrifice precisely to open up to himself free and unhindered access. You never need an appointment to draw near to God. There's never an inappropriate time to draw near to God. You'll never ever be turned away in your drawing near to God through faith in Jesus. We've heard about drawing near. Let me show you Hebrews 4. We've already kind of seen this. Let me read Hebrews 4 verse 16. Listen again to what our author has said to us. He said, Let us then with what confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. you in a time of need? He says, draw near. And we draw near in confidence because of Jesus Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, if you were to jump back to the book of Exodus, chapter 19 in the Old Testament, I want to point this out. In the context of that passage, it's when the, when the children of Israel have have been delivered out of slavery. They've got to Mount Sinai to meet with God, to receive the Ten Commandments, but really to meet with God, to worship him, right? And when they get there, God tells Moses to tell the people, and he says, tell them, Moses, tell them, don't get too close. Don't touch the mountain. Do not break through to me or I'll break out on you. Do not let them come near the mountain. In other words, God says, come and worship me, but do not draw near, Now notice what the author of Hebrews says again in verse 22. He says, what? Draw near. Why? Because Jesus has finished the work. God invites us, commands us in a way to draw near with confidence, with full assurance. This is a radical shift it was radical for them in the first century to hear this. It's radical for us at times to know that, that the creator of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of Lords, who sits on the throne sovereign and good, invites us come draw near through the belief and faith in Jesus Christ, my Son your Savior, draw near a full assurance that I will not turn you away. draw near. How do we draw near? Well, it's this invisible act of the soul, right? It's the spiritual movement of the heart by which we cry out to God for help. It's where we express and trust in His goodness. It's where we lay hold of the promises that God has given to us. It's it's by which we believe all that the Scripture says about Him which we proclaim that he is great and majestic and beautiful, and we praise him for all he has done, where we say, you alone are my hope, You're you're my joy, my salvation, and I refuse to trust in another, especially in myself. Draw near. Which leads us to the next exhortation, hold fast, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, Without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The first encouragement is to draw near. The second one is hold on. Draw near and hold on. You can't hold on unless you draw near. But once you draw near, let's hold on, clumb close, hang on. Some of us need that today. Some of us need to hold on. He wants us to hold on to the hope that he has given us. He wants us to hold on to and trust in the promises that he has given us, to believe in the promises that he has given us with constancy, with consistency. Don't stop believing. And if I could sing, we would have sung that. Continue to trust God. Don't give up. Persevere in hope. Hold fast. As you draw near, hold fast. Hebrews 6, verses 19 and 20, it recalls for us as we think about holding fast. He says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Listen, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek this hope that we hold on to it's a hope this is a hope we are at a white knuckle grip you know know, a white knuckle grip is where you grip so hard you can see the white in your knuckles if you have ever have children trying to learn how to drive you know what I'm talking about Or you will. <laughs> or you'll ask someone else to do it. Our hope, our white knuckle grip is grounded in the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the enthronement, and the intersex, intercession of Jesus on our behalf. It's anchored, as, as we saw in Hebrews 6, it's anchored at the right hand of God. It's so substantial and real that it's called an Anchor. And it holds not just for a time, but for all eternity. And we are to draw near and hold on. There is nothing else to hold on to. Everything else slips and moves through our hands. This hope, this hope, without wavering, we hold on to. And I love how he finishes 23. Verse 23 He says, For he who promised is faithful. That's the motivation. That's our motivation. Why should I hold on? God, why why should I not stop believing? God, God, why should I continue to trust even when I don't see you at work, even when I can't see the fog, through the fog, even when when everything around me is so uncertain? why, Why should I continue doing this and holding on? Because the one who made the promises to you and me is faithful and steadfast. It's the Heavenly Father. And He has made these promises to us in Christ before this world began. And in a in the covenant of redemption that if you trust in him, he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, he will never fail you, he will forgive you, he will accept you, he will bring you home. Do not stop believing. I really wish I'd have practiced that song. We're to hold fast, church. Hold fast. And for some of us, we get into seasons of life where that's all we have. Maybe you're there. But even if you're not there, no matter what season it is, hold fast. Why can we hold fast? Because we are able to draw near through Jesus Christ. Then he brings us our last exhortation. Consider how. Consider how, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We come to our final action step, if you will. Our final exhortation is to consider how. And what we see is that the first two were vertical. And this one is horizontal. And what I mean by that is to draw near and to hold fast was vertical. And it's so important for us to get this order right. It was vertical. It was between us and God. And this one is horizontal between us and others. And if you and I aren't right this way, if we're not drawing near and holding on to God, then this isn't going to work very well. We've always said that we have to be in a right relationship, in a right place, trusting in Jesus to be right vertical so that he might do the work in us, so it might do a work through us, so that we can have that work around us. And that's what we see here within the text that we have as we transition in Hebrews to the action part of our lives, the everyday part of our lives have to be drawing near, holding fast so that you and I can consider now how. And he gives us three things to consider, three parts to stir up, to not neglect, and to encourage one another. And we answer the question of how do we take the truth about Jesus that has been given to us over and over repeatedly through the study of Hebrews and relate it to one another. See, this is what I mean by this is every day. This isn't just something for you and I to hold on to to say, well, that's in the future, and I'm going to experience that. No, this is to transform us day by day, to walk out of our lives day by day. And I want to point out something here too. Verse 22 was about faith. And verse 23 was about hope. And this verse is about love. Does that sound familiar? It's this triple threat from the Apostle Paul. He always pointed us to faith, hope, and love. And I love that we can see that here because I love the continuity of Scripture. How we use Scripture to interpret Scripture and how it comes together like that. And here we walk out that love because we have our faith and our hope settled in Christ. How do we do that? How do we deploy that? The first thing he tells us to do is we are to stir up one another. Stir up one another. Now you might say, we already do that. Not that way. (laughs) It's not the way they call to provoke one another. A little different way. Instead of provoking one another the way that we normally like to provoke one another in our culture today, this is a different way. A biblical, godly way. He wants us to provoke one another, to stir up one another to love and good deeds. Love and good deeds. One commentator said, we are to deploy positive irritants. Jesus said, love God, love others. The apostle John said to us right before he died, children, love one another. And here's the author of Hebrews saying, because of what Jesus has done for us, because he's what he's he's done for you, consider how you stir. How can you stir one another how can you stimulate one another? How can you spur on one another? How can you care for each other? Not to irritation, not to frustration, but to love and good deeds. Consider how. Consider how. Which leads us to the second piece, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. We stir one another We don't neglect coming together. And if I could turn this around and make it positive, I'd say we're not only to stir one another to love and good works, we are to commit ourselves to the assembly of worship where we can care for one another, where we can stir one another, where it's kind of built into to coming together that we can stir one another, which leads into this last part we'll get to in just a second. So, so for us to be committed to gathering with the saints, to sitting under the fountain of the Holy Spirit, with God's Word being poured out on us, We need to be with one another to to stir and to remind. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget about holding on. Sometimes we've let go or our grip's gotten loose. Sometimes we haven't drawn near so so that our grip has gone away. So we need to draw near again. And we need each other to be reminding us. This is what we are given to do. This is what we have access to. So we don't neglect that. We come together to be with one another in the Father's presence. We have a special presence that Jesus has said that when two or three are gathered in His name, a special presence of God comes. And the author of Hebrews is saying, make the commitment, don't neglect doing this. You and I, we need it to be encouraged, to be supported, to be cared for, to be known. Which leads to the third piece of coming and being together as we stir one another up we encourage one another deliberately seeking to give one another encouragement that's it's almost countercultural today i know firsthand the power of encouragement and i think if you've had someone just out of the blue like you weren't leaving hints and you weren't trying to make sure someone came up and encouraged you, but someone out of the blue that came up and spoke a word of encouragement to you, I think you know, like I know, it changed your day. Maybe it didn't change your week, but it changed your day. Encouragement. Because you know what we're really good at? We're really good. We can have ten people do that, but if one person gives us a critique, you know what we think about the most? The critique. Not the encouragement. Here we're commanded that we are to encourage one another, deliberately seeking to give one another encouragement. I know the first-hand power of encouragement. And I think Christians should be leading the way in our world when it comes to encouragement. We have, we have everything settled for us. You and I have everything settled for us. They can take our lives and they can't take our Savior. Everything is being settled. That's why he says, listen, you have access now. You can draw near. You can hold fast. And from that, you can now encourage and give encouragement. Because no matter what type of response, it doesn't matter. Because you're going home. So we should lead the way. Christians should be so intentional about encouraging other people. That'll change you. You know, maybe your story is that someone encouraged you and it changed your life. Watched a video just the other day where it was because of one person taking the time to encourage another, the person decided against committing suicide. I know that's not every story, but the point is that We should be intentional about it. And he closes with the phrase, and all the more as you see the day, capital, drawing near. It's interesting, right, that the author of Hebrews says, the end is near, so do what? Encourage one another. The end is near. This was 2,000 years ago. The end is near, so encourage one another. You're closer today than you were yesterday to the end. So what are we to do? How should we respond? By encouraging one another. Draw near. Hold fast. Consider how. Flow out of what Jesus has done for us in the gospel. Because what Jesus has done for you and me in the gospel is absolutely life-changing. And the author of Hebrews wants you to believe that. And he wants you and I to understand that in such a way that it impacts our everyday life. How we walk every day towards Jesus until we're home forever. Let's pray. Father, may that be our story. May that be our legacy. That we are known for encouraging one another as we stir Support, care for, come alongside with our intentionality, being deliberate. That what you have done in our lives comes through our life into the lives around us, so that we may point people to the one who has saved us, to Jesus. knowing that we have a blessed assurance that that sacrifice was final, was complete, there are no more to be made, that it's done. And we can stand on that finished work. And we can have that assurance that we are blessed forever and ever. and may that, may that move out of us into the hearts and the lives of those around us. For the glory of King Jesus, we pray in his name. Amen.